0: Baruch Hashem, you're a bad Jew.
1: Shalom. Welcome back to Bad Jew, the place where there is no such thing as a bad Jew. I am thrilled to have you here. Thank you for tuning in this Wednesday before Yom Kippur. And if you're listening not on a Wednesday or after Yom Kippur, that's totally okay too. Uh, It's really great to have you here. And I'm just really excited to get in today's lesson. We have a reoccurring guest, Rabbi Jack Malol. Rabbi Jack was one of our earliest guests. We did an episode on why men suck at dating, and it was a really, really great episode, and it was very informative to me and many of my uh, male-identifying listeners over there. And it's really great to have Rabbi Jack back to provide us more insight, getting us ready for the high holidays. Rabbi Jack, how are you doing today?
0: Amazing. Really well, and especially now that I'm here on this show, I'm extra happy and seeing that it's flourishing and doing so well. There's nothing else that yeah. makes me happy.
1: Well, you definitely did at the early stages of the show, help us kick off with some of your connections and also just your presence in general, with your following. Thank you. People thank do you. love to hear about the amazing share and the story, <laughs> uh, the stories that you provide. So thank you for all of your amazing teachings and lessons. But of course, you know, normally, and this has been a few reoccurring episodes by now. So I think the listeners understand that typically for a new guest, we have them do the bad Jew challenge of telling your life story in four minutes. We're not going to do that today because Rabbi Jack already did that. If you go back to his episode earlier on in the show, you can go hear his four minute life story. And it's a really, really fun story to listen to. Mm.
0: But talking about myself is uh, my favorite topic.
1: It's who, who's favorite topic? Who, who's <laughs> not into that topic. Right. Um, but Rabbi Jack, as you can imagine, my Badju WhatsApp community asks questions every single day. They are always very, very curious people. And as you can imagine, leading up to the high holidays, they've been asking, what is the real story of Yom Kippur? So Rabbi, what is the real story of Yom Kippur?
0: Um, okay, so basically we're now in a very special time of the year. Uh, historically, let's just go a little bit historically. I don't want to bore you, so I'll do it very simply. But the Jews, remember that people. So that's that's us. We the came hoop. out of Egypt. <laughs> we came out of Egypt, and that was Passover. And then comes the holiday of Shavuot, and that's fifty days later, which we count, and that's when we get the Torah. And then uh, forty days later, Moses goes up. To, I mean, during those forty days from Shavuot, forty days on. Moses is on the mountain he's getting the tablets and he's speaking to God he's learning the entire Torah it's a very deep interesting story there how can you learn the entire Torah which is wider than the ocean and greater than the universe it's the it's the blueprint of the universe so it has to be a wealth of information how did he get it in 40 days on the 40th day he got a gift after working so hard and he got all the information into his brain Um, But that happened on the 17th of Tammuz and that's actually a sad day in Jewish history. It's when Moses comes down uh, from the mountain and God says, go down, your people are destroying themselves. And uh, Moses goes down, he sees them doing the golden calf, um, which is a great complaint against the Jewish people. They just got the Torah, they see God, they're, they're having a great vision of Hashem and all of his miracles. And then they go and do the golden calf. So in 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 our day and age you know we say the golden calf what's the big deal but really it's more than a big deal it's at a time where you've received so much love to go against the person that's given you so much love is the ultimate um would they say mistake that a person can make right is turning against those that love you so much so um so they did the golden calf and that's the 17th of Tammuz and Moses spends 40 days praying for the Jewish people that God should forgive them and then in the month of Elul which is 40 days later uh, God says okay I forgive you but he doesn't forgive us fully it's only uh after 40 days on Yom Kippur where God forgives the Jewish people fully and he gives Moses the second set of tablets. Okay, that's the Jewish history of our story. That's on Yom Kippur. So the Yom Kippur is actually where God says, I forgive you. The relationship is now the same as it was originally. And you are now as close with me as you were. There's going to be different situations because we know how you can fall and you can make mistakes. Human beings make mistakes, so we have to make new different uh you know paths. But God says, I I forgive you, and you are in the same relationship with me as you always were, and that's when a few days later, after uh, Yom Kippur, we have the holiday of Sukkot, where we go in, like, God's house. The Sukkah is a very holy place, and you can build it in your home. We consider it, like, holy like the Kotel. You kiss the walls, you kiss, It's it's a place of God loving me, and God says, I forgive you, and now you can come into my home, and in the times of uh, the Jewish people, when they were with Moses and everything, they got the tabernacle and they got the tabernacle four days later, which is Sukkot, the same time as Sukkot. So we have Sukkot now, and that's when we celebrate Hashem being with us. Uh, it says that from Elul till Yom Kippur is the verse of Solomon, which is where God's left hand is on my head and Meaning, there's like an, there's a fear in the air, there's awe, there's wow, I need to change, I can change, I can be a better Jew. And then Sukkot is yaminot Chabakani, God's right hand hugging me. And that's why the wall of the Sukkah needs to be two and a little bit. It's like the right hand, if you can see, but there's one wall, another wall, and and the third little bit, that's why it's called two walls and a little bit. That's what you need for a sukkah, actually. You don't need more than that. That's called God's hand hugging me. And I'm in the hut and I sleep in it and I feel God's love and presence after I've spent the whole Elul, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, growth, right? And that's when right. I actually... So it's interesting um, in the Zadiac months or the way that they look at the months, The the month of Elul... Is called Virgo and in Hebrew it's called Betula. For us, the months are actually the Hebrew months. That's the name, each Hebrew month has the name, and we have the same names as, the, as they have in the the names that they give in astrology. So the month of Virgo in Hebrew would be called Betula, like a virgin. And it's because God, let's say, gives us a renewal as if we're a virgin, like we're back to the beginning. We're again, we're going. Right. There's a renewal energy and we can be like a virgin. Elohim, God puts in me and creates in me. Berah means to create from nothing. He created in me a new soul, a new heart. And we pray to God that he should give me a clean and good spirit, a new spirit in me. So that's that's what David said. And that's exactly what happens. Is like Elul is the month of Virgo. Where we renew ourselves, we come new again, and we start all over. And we, you know, we look at our past, and we move to the future, and we become like virgins. Like we, God allows us, and He gives us this ability to look at our past, grow from our past, regret our past, speak about it, and then become new. And um, then comes Yom Kippur, where we we look at all our past and again. And that's Yom Kippur actually goes into the month of. Moznaim scales or Libra is what they call it in in Zodiac, which is the month of that we're in right now. So from Rosh Hashanah till Yom Kippur, we're already in the month of scales and things get balanced out. And uh, it's interesting that in the world, also the sun and night and day balances out. Also, it's like the summer, there's much more sunlight. The winter, there's much more dark. This time of Libra, the energy is even. So we feel even with Hashem, we wail ourselves out and we clean ourselves and we get back to ourselves and we're ready for the new year. So this is all energy of renewal, change. And it's a gift that God gives us to look at our past and become virgins again, so to speak, which is a beautiful idea. It's a it's a really fascinating idea. It's, it's a concept of purity.
1: By the way, if we recollect for one second this was based on the one question so uh we're i've already completed one third of my job of finishing the uh finishing one third of the podcast by just asking one question you gave such an incredible answer yeah with so much depth and so many layers so i'm going to do my best to summarize what i just heard well the hardest um, thing for me is to like
0: consolidate i have so much information <laughs> that i want to share <laughs> yeah yom kippur is so filled with wealth of love and growth and and you know looking at our past renewal I have so much to share, but I just, I need to know how to consolidate. That's what I'm trying to work on right now. Well, anyway. no, no,
1: you, you gave a fantastic, fantastic answer. answer. So here's,
0: here's what I understand,
1: right? When I asked you what the real story of Yom Kippur is, you went into talking about the counter, You went into talking about how it stems from Moses's act coming down from Mount Sinai and asking for forgiveness for 40 days because of the golden calf uh, idol worship that took place. Uh, right. When when the Hebrews became impatient as a people. And right. I, I like that. That makes a lot of sense, that connection right there. You, and also else,
0: ungrateful, very important. Because, because, and also ungrateful, yeah. Right, because that is the ultimate level of, mis- of making a mistake is where you look back, or at least noticing the mistake is when you're like, oh my gosh, I'm so embarrassed. That's a person that's been so kind to me and so nice to me. And I feel like, how did I ever do something wrong to that person? You know, So that's yeah. how we felt with Hashem. And that's all the prayers that Moses is praying. And that's how we should feel also. When we want to become better Jews, I'm not looking at my past and saying, oh, I, I'm scared. Or I'm, I'm doing it from love because I really feel like so much love has come my way. I feel like I should be a better Jew. I want to become a better Jew. I want to become more godly. I want to be, right? I want to return to my soul, which is sure. Teshuvah. Sure. Okay. So
1: yeah, you're returning your soul to Shuva, right? Um, That'll be the Hebrew word of the day. And the other thing as well, you connected it, I, you know, I, since davening a year ago, I've understood the importance of uh, the left side of your body versus the right side of your body, right. right? You take um any step forward that begins the left, uh the left step is about uh, judgment and uh, right. discipline. Exactly. And any step with the right foot is about love and kindness. And exactly. so you identified that with uh, left hand, God's left hand on our head judging yes. us and, and really holding us accountable, whereas Sukkot, Sukkot is like being in God's hands. And you said something. I was thinking about the hand, okay?
0: Yeah. So I,
1: I'm sure this connection has been made already. But this is what yes. I this is what I pictured, right? You're using your arm to demonstrate – for those on YouTube, you'd be able to see this. You're using your arm to demonstrate what the, the Sukkot looks like, right? Right. But even just the, the hand alone, right? I could say this is one wall. And this is one wall. Mm-hmm. But my thumb, if you look at that, there's not a complete wall there. It's almost yeah, like a little. it's a little bit, right? So isn't that yeah. basically a sukkah? Is your your hand like this? Is that what it basically is like that?
0: <laughs> um, it's a good question. I don't know. I just know that the way that the rabbis learn and refer to it is God's full arm, you know, with absolute full love. Because God says... I have infinite, when when, when we talk about attributes of Hashem, they are in terms of infinity. So that means when we say that God loves us, it's not like a human being loves, it's infinite amounts of love. When we say Mm -hmm. that we do a mitzvah and it gives God joy, that's an infinite amount of joy. Can you imagine? That's why we value mitzvot so much. It's like you're giving God infinite, infinite amounts of joy. It's It's a phenomenal idea. It really is. It really is. So it's not so just then, a hand. It's an arm. It's the right. entirety of God, like, hugging me. That's yeah. It. So, I mean, well, it's, that's isn't that the combination
1: of Yom Kippur and Sukkot in the relationship? Yes. That's the hugs yeah. right there? Yes. So it's a beautiful idea. The next thing as well, it's something that you implied, you didn't use this word, but I just have a feeling you might be implying this, is the idea of purity. Maybe that's what being a virgin means is something along the lines of purity my question is is there really such
0: a thing as purity absolutely we say every morning and this just goes back into like the idea of baju and all that well we say in the morning i had to plug this in but we do we say in the morning god my creator that soul that you put in me is pure Right? And we say, You blew it into me. Right? So there's a statement in Kabbalah, the one that blows, blows from within himself. Think about that. So it says that God created the body from the earth, but blew within us a soul, a living soul. That means, Where did, it, where did that come from? The depths of godliness. That means that The essence of who I am is absolutely pure and it's untouchable. That's also another idea. It's untouchable. You can't hurt it. You can't destroy it. You can't. It's untouchable. It's like somebody who has a car and he goes traveling in the desert or he goes, you know, recently, I shouldn't be mentioning this as a rabbi, but whatever, Burning Man. People go to the Burning Man (laughs) and uh, there was a flood there. So the cars and everyone got filthy. And it was muddy and mucky and dirty, and they were stuck there for a few days. Eventually, when they got out, you could have some beautiful cars, you know, brand new Tesla, and you, and you're like, oh, that's not a nice car, that's not a nice Tesla, but it is. It's just dirty on the outside. And, that's a great way to look at it, yeah. Right, and then you take it to the car wash, and you clean it. Now, so the Yen question for is, is your car wash? exactly it's but it's never the soul the soul is beautiful you're just uncovering the beauty of what you have that but the the amazing thing is who are the people that go mostly to car wash their car
1: probably people with money that they can you know people with nicer cars
0: people with nicer cars it's not only the money it's people with nicer cars meaning when you value your inner self and you what you you appreciate your internal value You'll make sure to wash your car more often. You'll make sure to show your value, right? You'll make sure to let that value come out, to bring out the beauty of yourself. When you know your car's old already, you've driven it for 20 years, in your head you say, eh, whatever, I don't appreciate the value of it. And you don't take it to a car wash as much, right? Whatever, it's an old car. And you tell people, yeah, it's an old car, or whatever. It's Isn't great. One? Yeah,
1: yeah. So,
0: so then you don't appreciate. I'm not saying that people should run to car wash their car because the car is just a car at the end of the day, right? right? But when it comes to the soul, when we recognize every morning that my inner self is so pure, and it's a part of God, and it's untouchable, and it's it's the greatest thing ever, is the inner part of me that's my soul. Then, then, wow then I'm able to bring that out. I'm able to bring it out to its fullest. And that's that through, you know, washing myself, cleaning, always trying to make sure I'm better, trying to make sure I'm a better Jew, more Royal Jew, right? Cause I'm a son of a King. That's how I, you know, the idea of God is to recognize that I'm Royal. And if I'm Royal, I appreciate myself. I value myself. I don't just throw myself publicly everywhere in terms of the way I speak or the way I uh, dress or the way I, talk about myself. I value myself because I'm the son of a king. I'm royal or a daughter of a king. It's a beautiful idea. It really, really is. So then
1: with that, I want to address an elephant in the room. When it comes to Yom Kippur, it's almost synonymous with the idea of fasting. And that goes in line with the theme of atonement, right? But aren't there better ways to atone than to starve myself for a good
0: 25 hours? (laughs) Yeah. So actually, Yom Kippur is not a sad day. There are other days that we fast, and they are sad. But Yom Kippur is not. And um, what what happens is we also, you know, we we don't wear leather shoes. We do a bunch of things that we do. Um, We're not meant to have relations, um, not wash our hands fully. So there's a bunch of things that we do. We We don't anoint ourselves with oils and so on. There's a bunch of things that we do on Yom Kippur That also, besides for restricting eating, and it's not a sad day, it's a happy day. It's not like Tisha B'Av or the other holidays, the other holidays, excuse me, the other holidays that we fast. It's a happy time. But the idea is that we are angel-like on this day. And what we do is we disconnect completely from any physical pleasures. And we are meant to be more in tune with the soul. So when you're not worried about what you're going to eat today, because well, you shouldn't be, yeah, because you 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 know in your mind that I am fasting. Food is not a thing right now, and I am like an angel. I don't really need clothes. Shoes represent the physical, so I distance myself from the lowest element of me, the physical. Well, and I wear sandals or something which is not leather. I, I, I make myself disconnect from the physical world once a year. And that's on Yom Kippur. Actually, interestingly enough, the word Satan adds up to 364. And um, I think it's Hasatan, actually. The Satan adds up to 364. And in Jewish teaching, this 365 days a year. Um, And uh, I'm saying that because we have the solar calendar and the lunar calendar, right? So the the lunar calendar is 11 days less, but we have 365 days a year. And if if you take off one day, you'll get 364, meaning Satan is only around for 364 days a year. There's one day a year where he's disconnected from us and we are only completely like angels with God. And that's because we distance ourselves in that way. We distance ourselves physically, and God gives us this ability. He called Yom Kippur. And it's a day of atonement. And that God says, you can actually clean yourself on this day, disconnect from the physical. I allow it. I'm I'm here to be with you. I'm listening. I'm close to you. I'm listening to your words. And that's what we do. Wait, so are you saying that? I wasn't expecting the
1: conversation to go this way. And maybe this is an entirely, this is definitely an entire, its own episode in the future. You're saying
0: that Jews do believe in Satan? Yes. The Gemara, the Talmud says that Satan is three of the same people. He is also Satan, which means he's the energy that uh, speaks against my behalf when I do something wrong or is honest with what I've done. And Satan is also the Yetzirah, he's the evil inclination, says, and he's the, also the angel of death. The Talmud says all the same energy. It's all the same person, if you can call it a person. So what happens is the evil inclination tries to make me sin, do wrong. Once I do, there's an energy being caused, and that's Satan. And that goes before God and says, look, this person did this and this energy. What do we do with it? And it, try, and it tries to suck out energies from me. It sucks out energies, right? And God says, "Hey, wait, wait a second, Satan. Don't don't go back. Let it give him time." Right. There's a bunch of things that happen when we do what's wrong in the spiritual worlds, cabalistically. An- angels are being created. They, there's negative energies that are trying to hurt us. After like, there's things that actually happen when we do wrong stuff. It's another discussion, and it's a it's an understanding cabalistically. But that energy is speaking against our behalf. And eventually, wow. it, that energy is our evil, is, is the angel of death as well. So, the Yetzirah, Satan, and Malachi Mavet is all the same thing. Okay.
1: So, in the future, to my listeners, I promise you, we're going to do an episode about Jews and how we view Satan, because this is the first time I've ever heard any acknowledgement of Satan in the Jewish space. And angels. And angels. Well, angels I knew about. Angels I knew about, for sure.
0: Angels are energies that we create. And they're either dangerous and they're hurtful or they're good. Hmm. And we create – it says that when you go to the next world, you're going to your world, the world that you created. What does that mean? That means that when we die, we face all of the energies that we created. And it's a massive amount of energies. We create so is, a tremendous yeah. amount of angels. And you'll say, hey, what's that guy? And he say to you, I'm I'm the staka you gave that day. You remember that day that you gave staka? No. Yeah, but you caused someone else to give staka. Or maybe you did a chesed. You smiled to someone. You're like, I don't even remember that. That's the energy that you created. And there's going to be millions and millions of energies that you created. And it's a wow. beautiful thing. Wow.
1: Well, that, that certainly is a great way to definitely reflect on if you were give if you were to give yourself a report card on your year, in this case, fifty seven eighty three, right? <laughs> Thinking about what energies you put out there in the last year and how you might change that for fifty seven eighty four, or how you might adjust that accordingly, right? It's really fascinating. And Speaking how we of, can
0: remove? We actually physically sure. are able to remove the negative energies we created through yom kippur. On yom right. kippur, we speak to God and we say, "I'm sorry." And we actually speak out anything I may have said wrong or done wrong. And then we remove those energies. Hashem actually causes those energies to die and stop. And now we renew ourselves like Virgo again. We get new and we stop those. Good energies never go away. Negative energies do. They get stopped and killed. But good energies, we can never, once you've done a good deed, it stays next to God forever
1: amazing amazing okay so it's definitely (laughs) a lot for me to think about but speaking of thought and thinking about looking back
0: Mm
1: -hmm. yom kippur with the fasting that takes place yeah is has a lot to do about looking back right it it, it, that's like one of the major motifs about the holiday is looking back and recollecting on what you have or even haven't done right Mm -hmm. so being said What are some of the strategies that you apply to reflection, to introspection, to thinking back on how you did this year? Because the one thing I recognize, and this is partly from a children's book that I read as a kid was that it's impossible to think to recall every single sin that you've done to make up every single wrongdoing that you've done. You just simply can't apologize for every individual wrong thing that you did. So
0: how do you, what are some of the strategies that you apply? So, that's why we have um, guidance. That's why the Siddur is so important. Because there, you know, we will say, Ana Hashem, Chatati, Aviti, Pashati. Right? We say different words. Like, Hashem, please accept I've I've sinned by mistake. We say in general, I've sinned on purpose. I've done things out of anger. And I did this and this and this. And I and I regret it. And I'm embarrassed of my actions. And so on and so forth. There's actually words that we say in the Siddur that... Uh, in general and then we go into details and those details are things that we really you know we've done uh that's why it's so important to use a it So it guides you it directs you it makes you think wow i could have been better at that um whether it's with money spiritually with the way i look at people with the way i use people uh, there's there's an unlimited amount of things that we could have done
1: yeah but my problem, my only, not not problem with that, but my, where, I, where I get a little bit confused is that we read from a siddur year-round.
0: That's just a right. general prayer book. So what makes Yom Kippur services special? So on Yom Kippur, we have something called Vidui, which is where we speak out or confess our actions. We don't do that as much during the year, although we do a little bit, but not to such extensive uh, detail. And that's also uh, something else we do. Another thing we do, which is very important, is we read God's 13 attributes of mercy. And we read it many times, well over 100 times. I don't know exactly the number, um, but the number of times that we read this has significance also. And we read God's, God's attributes of mercy. And by doing that, what we do is we recognize how much God does for us all the time. How much love he does, how he feeds me whilst I do things that are wrong, whilst how he looks after me, how he helps me, right? And then when, when you actually read all the love and mercy that Hashem has for me, so you say to yourself, wow, I should be like that. I should be a bit more loving. I should be less judgmental. I should focus on the chesed, the kindness, right? For of chesed ve'emet, God looks at the chesed. He looks at the truth. He looks at he, he finds the nekuda tova in you. Chesed, who we say, he wants kindness. He wants your, he wants to see your kindness. So the question is, you know, is a good question. How do I relate to looking back at this year and saying, what did I do wrong? But just speaking things out, being in the room and thinking and being in a quiet environment where you're, you know, you're in that space and you're speaking the words. That already is the greatest level of Teshuvah. Wow. And it's, it's, it's an amazing thing that you're able to do that. And I think that the mouth is the most spiritual thing we have. It expresses what's inside of us. And, and just speaking alone is something that we should do. When do we do that? You know, when do we really go to a quiet space and speak out? Not, please, because I want money. Please, because I want something. But just speak out. I did this and this wrong. I should have been better with this. I did that and that wrong. I know that I'm I'm a good soul. My soul is perfect and my inner self is pure. But the dirt on the outside is there. So you Mm -hmm. say it and then every year you do this. And eventually you'll leave this world a better person than when you came in. And that's the goal. A Jew should never be the same person when he's 60 as he was when he was two. That's That's a big
1: mistake. I would agree with that, that the lack of growth would be such a detriment to someone's development and such a, a hindrance to their full potential. Right. What is Before we end this podcast, what is something that more people really need to know about Yom Kippur
0: that they have never heard before? So there is an, an idea, and I've done this experiment with people, and that's what we call Shuvah And I spoke already till now that the greatest mistake that a person can do is a lack of gratitude. One of the greatest mistakes is do things because you, you, you got, let's say your parents have given you love and love and love and then you hit them in their face. It's like the worst thing you can ever do. It's like, how can you take the thing that's given you so much and turn against it? So the conversation, every year there's a new conversation that I really have and the conversation I've been focusing on this year was the conversation of love. And what that means, like real Ahavat Hashem, real love for God, um, real, real love, like the power of love and how that can affect you and what it means to have real love. Because when someone does that, it says that when you return to your soul, when you say, I want to be better, but you do it through love, you do it because you have deep love in you, then that's the greatest level of cleaning yourself. That's the greatest level of Truva. The highest way to clean yourself is, or to get back to your soul, to return to your soul, is through love. Which means, I'm coming to Judaism because I'm so grateful for what God has done to me. And this is actually a question I asked everybody. I asked everybody, we had a Taco Tuesday a few weeks ago, and I asked everyone, close your eyes and think of a moment that you felt a lot of love i'm gonna do this with you chas okay okay think of a moment that you felt tremendous tremendous amount of love okay i have it okay now tell me that experience or that thought that you're having is that with someone or is it's it with a group of people it's it's integrating with someone and i want to tell you i did this in one of, Attack of Tuesday and one person out of the hundred people that were there one person said i was alone And everyone went, ah. But the truth is, he was right. We translate love as the way we project love. It's true that you project love with people. If you have love, you project it with someone, you share it with someone. But the truth of the matter is, love is in your heart. Nowhere else. It's deep, deep within. And it's not dependent on someone. It's not because of someone. It would be a waste if you have a lot of love in your heart to be locked in a room your whole life and not that's so much potential and not share it with someone. But these are the words of the Peleoyotes. Let me just tell you this. It's fascinating. He says like this. He says that the source of... There's a a lot of love that a human being has to have. A lot. And he says the source of all love. I'm just quoting it. The source of all... Let me just... Zoom on that. He says there are a lot of loves that you have to have. You have to have love for your friend. You have to care for your friends. Right? Visit the sick. There's many types of love your parents. But they all come from the love of God. That is the original love. And once you have that, you can have love for other people. What does that mean? What does it mean to love God? I'll ask you, Chaz. What does it mean to love God? Does it mean that you close your eyes, you imagine... A being and you say i love you i love you i love you for an hour a day what does it really mean
1: i'm not sure if i have an answer to be honest i think it's very personalized per person
0: no so that's actually a mitzvah it's one of the commandments in the torah okay and we, and we have a duty to know what that commandment is like de- to detail like what does that even mean and you're yeah. right it is personal you can't directly love god because you don't know hashem he's the creator of the entire universe He's an infinite being But you can love all the good he's done to you till this moment. Mm -hmm. You can love all the good that he does in the world. The fact that my heart pumps 100,000 times a day and it works, that my body works, right? That I can walk, that I can breathe, that I can eat, that I can taste, that I can speak, that so much is being done subconsciously without me even knowing about it. We have 10 amounts of bacteria in our body, more than we have human cells in our body but the body's constantly fighting it. We have, our body heals itself. You know, if you tear your shirt, the shirt won't just sew itself back together again. But when we tear our body, even though there's pressure and there's blood trying to get out, but the body goes and heals itself. It's a phenomenal thing. And and there's constant love coming our way every single day, every moment. Hmm. And that's, that's the mitzvah of loving Hashem. And it's a mitzvah, by the way, that you can do every second of the day. It could be a thought. It could be any time of the day. You can fulfill this commandment of loving God. And what is it? Walking down the street, instead of thinking, oh, I wish I had that car, I could say, thank God I have a car. Oh, you did a mitzvah of loving God. If I, and here's the point. If I wake up in the morning and I see the weather's bad, oh, the weather's terrible. Then I go to my office, oh, the office is, a mess. Then on the, dr- on the way to the office, there was traffic. Oh, the traffic again. Whilst I'm driving a beautiful Tesla. The, off- the traffic. Then I, get to my office, then I get a bill. And I look at my bills. Oh, the bills. And I'm complaining about that. And then I see that my client, who's already paid me for the job, whatever it is, is still asking me for more work. And I'm like, oh, can you not leave me alone already? And then that's how my day goes. I come home to the person I love. And I say, ah, honey, I love you. I really love you. Now, it could be very true that the love is real. There's no question about it. He feels love. But guaranteed, 99% of that love is because. It's because she's going to feed me, look after me, be there for me, right? Care for me. But what's the chances that there'll be a major argument if something doesn't go right that night? Sounds a lot higher. Much higher. You've complained about everything else. Now you come home. You're smiling. Most likely it's because of something. But then there's an argument. The minute something doesn't work out, she spills something on you or something doesn't work out. Oh, why did he do that? Can you not see where I am? Suddenly, the argument comes out. Why? Because there's not enough love in the heart. Let me give you the other scenario. The guy wakes up in the morning. The weather's bad. He says to himself, oh, I know the weather's bad but at least I won't be sweaty today he gets in his car there's traffic but he says thank God I have a car he gets to his office I have my own office I'm self-employed do you remember those days where I wasn't and he walks into his office and he says every second he does that by the way he's doing a mitzvah he's doing a mitzvah right thank God I have a car thank God I have an office thank God I have money to pay bills thank God I can and he so on and so forth and then he goes home and he finds his spouse at home and he says, honey, I love you. Mwah! Right? That's, that love is coming from a deep place of love in his heart. And he's projecting that outwards. So even if something doesn't work out so well, it doesn't matter. I'm able to focus on the good of this person. Then I'm going to project real love to this person. It's not because she's going to be nice to me and cook for me and make things comfortable for me. It's because I have love. So love really is in your heart. And how do you achieve that? Through the love of Hashem. I know that it's cliche when we say the love of God, like in our culture in America. But think of love of God differently. Think of it as He's the creator of the entire universe and I'm being grateful for everything that's happened until this moment. And that's real. That's, that's really what it is. You're loving His creations. You're loving everything He's done for you. That's real love. So the rabbis say that the best way to achieve teshuva, to return to your soul, is teshuva mi ahava, returning to your soul from love, with love. Hmm. That is the greatest way to become a better Jew. That means you come, not because you're scared, not because you have guilt, not because you have, simply because you have tremendous love for the creator of the universe. You have given me so much until this moment. And I have so much joy. And what happens when you feel that way? You want to give more. You want to put filling on. You want to have Shabbat. You want to do more Judaism. Because that's the result of love is to give. Right? Once you have, by the way, the, the word Ahava in Hebrew is a gematria of 13. It's the same numerical value as Echad, one. God is one and you feel oneness. The feeling of oneness with someone is love. That's love where you have someone with you and you feel one with them. And that's how we should be with God. We should be in one with God. We want to be better Jews. We want to be better people because my soul, that's what the soul wants, not what the body wants. The soul wants to be the best to shine. And that's, that's love. So if, if you want to know, like, this is what, Yom Kippur is about. Yom Kippur is about, yes, it's true. It's a day where we look at our mistakes. And But why am I looking at my mistakes? I'm doing it because I have tremendous gratitude and love for my life. Although it's true, I have challenges. But that's why we're in this world. To focus on the good and see God in the hiddenness of the world. Right? To see the love of Hashem. To see all the good that has come my way. Wow. And that's how you achieve real, real love for God. So that's 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 Yom Kippur.
1: Well, now that I've heard this, this that I've conducted this interview and, and really heard this lesson from you, I think uh-huh. going into this Yom Kippur, I can enter in with a lot more intention, with a lot more Kavanaugh. And I really, really, really appreciate you coming onto the podcast impromptu like this to talk about the real story of Yom Kippur, the deeper layer behind the thing that we have to starve once a year at you know this is just just, I think really adds a lot of context and meaning that will allow me to really embrace this in a much deeper way so thank you Rabbi Jack really do appreciate it should people want to participate in Ash Torah's high holiday services and Ashlit's high holiday services what's the best way they can do so
0: so there's our website they can go to ashlit.com and they'll have the link there Um, but it's at Maury's Fireplace and they can just show up um, obviously it's better that we know who's coming and you know what. But as a whole, you can come. There's a break the fast after as well. Um, a ton of people always come to that, and it's really, really nice to see. Um, and throughout the day, you can always come. It's Use a user-friendly service. Uh, there's someone reading some parts in English, some parts in Hebrew. Um, Rabbi Dove Heller is a fantastic uh uh teacher and um he's just an amazing amazing person as a whole and he's the one that's running it and it's it's a real user-friendly service and you know you have a seat there you'll have space it's air-conditioned it's really worth coming into so uh yeah if you don't have anywhere yet please do come it'll be better if you sign up but even if you didn't you should still come you're welcome
1: I look very. I'm very much look forward to it, Rabbi. Thanks okay. again for being on this podcast, for educating us, for giving us this amazing insight into this beautiful holiday. Mm-hmm. And hag Sameach and chag samef, my
0: shana tovah, Shalom.